Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift Podcast, episode 51. Uh, today I've got with me a very special guest, Mr. Steve Hall. Thank you for joining us, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm hot, actually, a little bit uncomfortably hot. It's quite warm in the UK yes. at the moment. It's not great, is it? No, I know. the, the cat... amassing. <laughs> no, the cat's sprawled out now. He's been sprawled out for about 10 minutes. So, uh, but, but yeah, for, for, for my listeners, who most of them should know who you are, because um, uh, we, we're in the UK sort of coaching scene and, and fitness scene, bodybuilding scene. Um, Steve is founder and owner of Revive Stronger, which is a fantastic um, coaching firm who's been going for now, how long, Steve? Officially is like Revive Stronger, I think maybe four years. Yeah, but I've, I've sort of seen you on YouTube from before that as well. Um, yeah, I so, was kind of gathering myself before that. I wasn't yeah, yeah, sure yeah. Where, what I was doing exactly, but... <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he, you've got some fantastic content. I love your podcast. I think I've seen, I know I've seen every single one of them. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love them. And regardless of whether Mike's on there or any of your guests, the roundtables are awesome. I know they must be quite stressful to do, though uh are they are they because it's it's that's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge and you've got to get the best out of them how do you manage that yeah it is stressful because i think however much you think you've planned for it you've never planned enough i don't think you ever can so i've kind of got to the point of like even when i i think i've got like a question in my head i want to ask but then someone else goes and i'm like okay now i have to rethink so even though I'm sitting there, mostly not saying anything, it is actually like, as you know, sitting on the other side, you're like, like sometimes the person, I don't know, you have to come in with a new question, take yes. them down another line. So, and especially when you've got a load of people who are very smart and they're taking their time and maybe you've booked it way in advance. I'm like, cool, I've got an hour to just make yeah, yeah. this really good right now. Yeah. So yeah, they, they're more stressful than maybe it, as a podcast, you probably know, but from people viewing it they're just like oh you just sit there and do nothing it's like well yeah, yeah but i have to be ready to be able to keep it going oh 100 definitely and uh, i i there's a podcast that i do with a friend of mine who is um which we, we kind of just talk shop and that's a lot easier it's more relaxed because yeah. i could just sort of back and forth but you know what it is when you're interviewing you're very much taking the back seat and it's you're there to facilitate you the person and yeah. get the information out of them yeah yeah sometimes uh, my favorite podcasts uh me and pascal obviously do the improvement season where we have that but then i have quite a good rapport with some of them so like with mike that is more of a just back and forth and a bit of a chat and i think it becomes obvious to the listeners and a bit more enjoyable but i have that with like greg potter i've met him in person and we have a great like rapport and talk and i just had lee peel on again if you've well you've listened to every podcast you've listened oh i know lee peel yeah i've a big fan of lee peel from years back yeah Yeah. Yeah. she's great like she's just such a nice person i was like having like a not a great day yesterday and I had this podcast booked in and I was like, I don't know, podcasts can be stressful. I'm not always looking forward to them. Hadn't spoken to Lee in a long time. And then I was just reminded of what a great person she is, how smart she is. And just, it was, she brightened up my day massively. So it was really yeah. cool. She had a fantastic thread on bodybuilding.com years ago, which was just yeah. the basics of diet. You remember that one? Yeah. Like a big post. I think that was a sticky for a while, but that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of his. <laughs> Yeah, she, I don't know if it was like the first fitness podcast, but the Fitcast with Kevin Lairby. And then she was like on there a lot. And I forget, there was another guy on there who was like a physio. I loved him as well. But I think he's kind of, I don't know, I, I haven't seen his name for a long time. Lee is also not very present. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that I can still have that like chat with her and yeah. still share her wisdom with people because she's not a researcher but yeah she's smart so but yeah, yeah. I, w- I wasn't big on the bodybuilding forums uh, yeah. i was a bit it was a bit behind me or i was on another forum 
which wasn't the bodybuilding forums, but I did eventually find those uh, at some point and they were, yeah. I mean, Alan Aragon was on there. I remember Lee Peel was on there. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. I, I was a big fan of the uh, of the Tom Benuto podcast you had uh, you did with oh, yes. him. Uh, really, really like his content. I think he's got some great ideas. He's been around the industry for yonks, and that was that was that was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I remember. I think Lee had like a crush on him. <laughs> really, <laughs> that's all I can remember. Although I think she's not that way inclined, but I think she's just yeah. like he's just great. I, I think yeah. it was Tom Venuto at least, but I think he was also on the Fit Cast, and mm. I had his book from back in the day like he had one of the first yeah. like i think it was even before mike matthews had his books out i forget yeah. what it was it was like Burn Burn the fat, feed, the muscle. feed the muscle yeah that's the absolute one. classic yeah yeah mm. did you ever get around to reading his new book the uh, body the body fat solution i haven't actually i've got it on audiobook uh, i'm getting around to it at some point but it's more about sort of the psychology behind things uh, which is great i love that mm. that's really cool because that's literally lee pills working on her fat loss troubleshoot and she's we that basically ended up being the podcast was talking about that and it goes so deep into psychology of like we know the basics of fat loss by now why are still people struggling it's like trying to identify that so that yeah any psychology like you know as a coach Mm. i mean otherwise we can put everyone on an app and the apps would work for everyone but they don't I'm so glad people are talking about that now. I mean, to a limited extent, certainly the coaches are starting to discuss that kind of thing because for a while, it, all you saw was the evidence-based guy saying, hey, calories in versus calories out, and there's nothing else. And it's fine because it matters. But then, you know when they extend that to nothing else matters? And you yeah. get that quite a lot with inexperienced coaches. And that used to drive me insane because I, I was quite heavy when I was a kid and I've been you know heavy through my 20s. And so being able to see how to structure these things properly and how it affects you, how, you know, habit, the power of habits and forming habits and all that kind of stuff. That, so that was, I'm glad people are talking about it more because that's definitely a large part of coaching. Oh, yeah, huge. And it's, it's just a hard thing to do online as well. Yeah. And I think it's, unfortunately, I think, a, I don't know, a newbie coach who'd get into it. They don't do consultation. They don't do any video chats. They just like email back and forth. It's like, well, this is definitely a calorie deficit. If you're not losing weight, you're yeah. doing something wrong. And like, yeah, they yeah. might be, but there's got to, that's not coaching that's yeah. being a macro calculator for them <laughs> yeah yeah you've got to figure out why it's going wrong you know yeah. what's going on and, and sometimes they're aware of it sometimes they're not sometimes it's stuff they need to talk to you a bit more about do you find that with yourself as well like getting clients to open up to you like even if they're paying you i mean it's, do you find it initially just building that relationship building that trust that can that could be hard work sometimes yeah it's i always say to clients like the more you put into me and the more you can give me the more i can put into you if you're very like you just surface level like these are my numbers that's all i i just can't do much with that like i'm just looking at the spreadsheet I'm like that's like okay let's go on for another week let's see what's going on um some people just some people open up eventually other people like if they I, i'm quite present on social media and things i may have already chatted to them quite a few times they're already a bit like buddy buddy and that's quite nice then some people are just don't know they think you're a great coach they think the work can just they, they don't need to do much on there and they don't really need to share much on there and they think they're a robot it just doesn't work out so yeah i think when you can't get that relationship with a client typically unfortunately they don't last that long as a client and they don't get the best results and i don't think that's necessary if it could be fault of the coach but it could also be a fault of the person just not really realizing what it means to be a, a good a client because yeah like they have to work hard <laughs> yeah absolutely i love i love that line as well it's like the more you put into me the more i can i can put into you i love that and just just as a sort of a props to you i think your presence on social media is great i mean you are one of the more personable coaches out there and i think that's that's a testament to how you handle your social media which is fantastic 
I appreciate that. Yeah, I put, I think it's partly just, I like to say, like, I put a lot of effort into my social media. Part of it is just my character. And I think I'm fortunate that, like, I'm just, I'm never going to be the smartest guy. I'm not going to be the researcher, but I am quite good at being able to communicate like nicely to an individual. I won't be for everyone. There'd be some people that think I'm an like asshole. They hate me, but uh, fortunately, yeah, hopefully I come across well most of the time. Definitely. So we'll start with the, uh, the, the questions and what we want to delve in today is just a bit about your background, your history. And um, we'll start with the first question. So I want to talk about your start in lifting. Now, before you, your accident, you, you had, uh, so Steve had, uh, had a, a fairly severe accident when he was younger. Now, so before your, your accident, you had a start in lifting. And I'm just curious to know, just in general, what, what, was, what was your thought? What, was your, what were your goals going into the gym for the first time? You know? Yeah, I can remember it uh, because I don't know who it was, but it was, I, I know one of the people and I can't remember the other person, but it was two of my friends basically. And they'd gone to the gym and I was just like, you went to the gym without me. Like I'd, we'd never gone to the gym before. It's like a new thing okay. to be doing. Right, right, and I was yeah. like, I've got to go to the gym. <laughs> <And so laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I started going and I just got obsessed. Like, and yeah. I'd, I'd end up doing like dumbbell free weight days and then cable days and then sprints in between. And I just would do whatever. And then it just really oddly, it became a routine very quickly that I became very like religious with. And I just go and like like everyone you get some newbie gains and i was much more consistent than the rest of my friends so i got the nickname big steve for a very short period of time because i wasn't big but in comparison <laughs> to some of yeah. them i was and then like i just had no idea with the nutritional side so like i would get comments saying like you're dry it was such a funny comment like i didn't even really know what it meant but it was some of the older like gym bros in there like oh you're so dry i'm just like i don't know <laughs> cool uh, yeah so that was the beginning it was just friends were doing it and i was like i need to try this i don't really know i think we just ended up enjoying going together and i didn't really educate myself for years doing it like some of my friends would we experimented. I remember going into Boots Pharmacy and like buying their unflavored branded protein powder. And like me and my like friend would be like, oh, like, should we try this? Like, let's drink it in the kind of toilet so people don't find out. And I, I can remember <laughs> pre-mixing it with like milk before the session, putting it in my locker <laughs> and drinking it after the session. Like, this is what you've got to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the initial was just friends. Uh, I had no like I know I wasn't one of these guys who saw like Arnold Schwarzenegger and thought that's, that's what I want to be. Um, I really didn't even have any awareness of these guys till like really later on. I fell in love with the gym and the kind of training and that aspect. It was never about really like trying to change my physique as much. I really chased like numbers and things. Uh, unfortunately, because I didn't educate myself and I didn't kind of, yeah, didn't educate myself. Essentially I hit a brick wall quite quickly after like a couple of years and i just can remember being so angry like trying to like lift heavier weights and just be like i'm regressing like i would just go into the gym and i'd be regressing for like weeks and obviously i didn't take very often rest days were like i didn't even think about rest day. it was just like oh, i can't go to the gym today because i'm busy or something so i wouldn't have rest days deloads so it took a very long time before i like found any programming really realized what like protein was i think interestingly my like education into nutrition was through my girlfriend. Like she was like trying to lose weight and she was like talking about like different like clean food and like protein and stuff. And I was like, and that got me quite obsessed with then like trying to eat as well as possible through her. 
So it's funny. Yeah, I got a lot of, I'm influenced a lot. I, I think that is showing like friends, like girlfriends. And then I just kind of, yeah, find it. And I, I fell in love with it. And it wasn't until like I went to university and I, I think more than anything, it wasn't the bodybuilding and the gym. Like I said, I wasn't looking up to Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not what got me into like bodybuilding. It was just exercise. I just loved pushing myself. So I would be, and when I was at university, I was playing football. I was doing rowing club, running club. I like was going to the gym every single day as well. And I do in the morning, I do my weight training. Then before I like dinner at university, I do sprints. I think I'm like burning the fat, building the muscle. Like I just, I try so hard and get really nowhere. I was really wheel spinning and it must, it like it, that is when, when people talk about sacrifice, like I don't see now, like I invest a lot into it. I don't see it as a sacrifice because it's so rewarding. Back then, it probably really was a sacrifice because it was not rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just me. Like I didn't understand things. I, did, I just thought harder, better, cleaner, better. Uh, but it, it just, I was just exhausted and it didn't, and I wasn't particularly good. So like you said, it wasn't until I had my actual accident where I was on one of these runs and I got hit and uh, had my head injury. After that, it was like, well, I'm super underconfident to run again. I am not, I mean, I was never that social beforehand, but it killed my like social life because I was on fluid restrictions and I didn't want to like do team sports and things. So that's when it was like, heck, I've lost all the muscle I built up. Basically, yeah. I was super skinny when I came out of hospital. I would say, if you want to lose muscle, like just lie down and barely eat. It's, that's essentially what I did for a month. So I'd lost any of my newbie gains and then, yeah, it was after that accident. Then I started to research. I was like, see, if you've, you've put a lot into this and not really got anywhere fast, let's start researching. That's where I found the forum that I kind of got my initial education from, which wasn't the best. Well, that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to pull you back a little bit and just, um, yeah. you, you, what, what age did you start? And first, first question. Um, and also second question was what information was out there at the time? So you said you, you picked up things from your girlfriend at the time, from your friends what other information was out there at the time? Because when I first started, there were a couple of really old forums. There was deepsquatter.com, which had some one or two articles about whatever. And there were just some guys on the internet who, but everything was already, it just wasn't, there wasn't much there. What about you? Yeah. What, what, what age did you start? What year was that? And um, what information was out there? You know? So I wasn't even 16. I think 16 was the age that like legally you're allowed to go and train. I was like almost 16. So... Yeah. I just, I just made my way in. So when was that? That was, um, I'm yeah, 29. I don't even know what year that was, but I'm turning 30 gotcha. actually in a few days. So yeah. quite a long time ago. Um, I, I can't do quick math. Um, so like 2000, 2004 ish, probably on the verge of when YouTube started, I guess that YouTube came about 2005, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Definitely was. So pre YouTube. Well, when I was, yeah, it was pretty much, I, I, when I first got into it, my sources of knowledge were like the big guys in the gym. <laughs> it was, I can remember there was two big personal trainers and I can remember one of them being like, Oh, if you can train, like if you're willing to train very regularly, you can just train one muscle group. Every time you come, you don't need to train like do a split. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I'll do that. And I, <laughs> that's why I just, I just listened to the big guys. Yeah. It's funny you say it because I've, I don't think I've ever thought about it or ever been asked the question of pre like, cause I always think about, my start as being really after the accident. And then that's when I like, there was good education then. Yeah. But when I actually started, which was like four years prior to that or five years prior to that, there was really little. 
And uh, I know my friend would, he'd buy the Flex magazine and he'd be reading that. I, I didn't. <laughs> I just, I just kind of maybe listened to the people around me, but vividly, I could only remember that one personal trainer who was clearly on steroids now when I think back to it. But yeah. I didn't know any better. And like, I mean, not to say anything to being on steroids, like I just thought he was huge and amazing and knew everything. So yeah, that's where initially I got my knowledge. Yeah, well, that that was kind of similar to myself. I remember some of the big guys either at the gym or in, you know, fitness uh, shops and stuff because there used to be, there wasn't really much online activity back in the day. So you'd kind of go to the shop. Like it was kind of like a juiced up Hollander Barrett. I forget, you know, they were privately known. And there was these massive guys there. I specifically remember one guy trying to sell, sell something called Google Sterones, something like that. And it was supposedly a precursor to T3. And he said, okay. if you take this, it's just your fat's going to fall off you. And I was like, all right. <laughs> let's go <laughs> i that's a really good sorry just to say like that's a good point because i think i was very fortunate in that i didn't take anything like banned substances wise to be a natural uh during that time because i think if i'd been in a circle where they were doing it or found and was introduced by it by someone who i deemed as knowledgeable and way more jack than me i think i could have quite easily done that on the like on the slide i wouldn't even thought about it too much Oh, I think it, that's just very interesting to hear. Like, mm. I think I would have been too scared to go into those shops. Like, yeah. to be that, quite honest, I just that, wouldn't. Have. Yeah, <laughs> that was a legal supplement, but there, I think, I think there was a bit more of a reverence around um, anabolics and stuff back then because uh, pe- people seem a lot more casual with it these days. I remember walking yeah. into um, an exercise for less about two years ago, uh, not to put them on blast or anything, but the the, the young lady at reception. Uh, she was talking about supplements and she just mentioned, just slipped into conversation. Yeah, I take a bit of creatine, I take a bit of VAR. I was like, oh, <laughs> hold, hold on a second. I'm, I'm, did you just say that to me, a complete stranger? I'm, I'm just asking about the gym. And she's like, just, all right, fine. So let's just talk about VAR, I guess. It's <laughs> just really strange. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So you you got your start. You, you, you feel like you got your start more after you've had the accident. So can you tell us a little bit about the accident? What, what happened exactly? Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I was on... I'd have like, I'm just a man of routine. I can remember this routine run that I would do. It's like 10 kilometers. I had my Garmin watch on, Garmin like heart monitor. And uh, you could see like, it, it was very cool actually. It had like a shadow and it could like, if you started at the same time, you could see how, like how you were doing to your shadow. So if you were beating your past self, yes. and I was always obsessed about beating that shadow. And you could like, if I'd stop at lights and stuff, I'd like, I'd always try and like find the best way to like slow down and speed up to like, make sure I wasn't ever stopping. So there was like, I was literally towards the final leg and I was just ahead of my previous best. And I was just like, I'm going. And there was unfortunately traffic lights, they're flashing amber. I went before checking and a white van came and didn't slow in time and I, I got hit. So uh, the short-term kind of injuries from that were I now have scarring on my elbow and on my back. I had stitches in those and I got a uh, fractured skull. But the long-term injury, they think, I mean, the short-term injuries, like it's really weirdly, I don't remember them being bad at all because I think I was just so out of it for like the month after the accident. They just healed up by the time I was getting back into the gym. And I will say also coincidentally, uh, it was quite fortunate in some ways because before this, I'd actually injured my shoulder. I'd got a slap tear. I don't know if you know, like yep. the region, region uh, yeah. around the shoulder. Yeah. So my shoulder's super in- unstable now, but I didn't know what it was. I was getting all physio for it and everything, but the accident forced me to not lift. And so it allowed inflammation to fully go down. And then I 
had to start from ground zero. So I built up the muscle around it. So now it's not really an issue. And I didn't have to have key so- keyhole surgery. I was on like the we- waiting list for that. So kind of weirdly how the accident helped me in some ways. Um, but yeah, they think I bruised my pituitary gland. So that's kind of a control center for various hormones. I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know the short-term effect was my body had the inability to like regulate uh, sodium and electrolytes. Mm-hmm. So I would hold on to like all water basically. And my low, I had low sodium all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was very ignorant to what that even meant. But if you have like, uh, I mean, a lot of people have heard peaking stories and like issues where people have screwed around with that. It was a case of I was in hospital afterwards because I was at chance of like seizuring if my sodium levels got too low. So I can remember having blood tests like multiple times for the day for them checking how they were. And it wasn't until they were like a level, like low okay number that I was then allowed out. Uh, but then I was on, I think it was like diuretic supplements. I can't, I can't even remember. It was so long ago now. I don't even, I don't know if it was not diuretic or it was diuretic, but it couldn't be helped by just like people just like, just eat more salt then. Why didn't you do that? It, that, that wouldn't solve it, unfortunately. So it took a long time for that bruising to dissipate and for my body to regulate um, that kind of system. So I was on 250 mils of water. I vividly remember because I would, people from the UK will know the innocent smoothies, like the small bottles, and they're tiny. I'd fill one of those up. That's all I could have for the whole day, which is depressing to hear about now when i've got like a liter of water right by me that i could guzzle and be fine with yeah so it's crazy thinking back to it that kind of restriction i had on myself i don't even know i don't like i couldn't even think to hold back now or drinking that much but i guess your thirst regulates to what you really require so i suppose it it probably wasn't as hard as what it sounds like it would be to like us now so yeah i was on that for maybe a year i can't remember the exact timeline but it was wow. once I recovered my kind of ability to just regulate fluids and I've mostly recovered that sometimes I haven't had it for a long time. Like touch wood, it doesn't happen anytime soon. I'd get edema in my ankles. So like cankles basically, mm-hmm. and that always was really frustrating. It never hurt. It's just, you could push your thumb in and get in kind of inch of depth for a, like a couple of minutes. Uh, but that hasn't happened for a long time. So I think I'm mostly recovered from that, but I was off medication and then all during that time of where I was like recovering and on the fluid restrictions, that's when I was getting more into the bodybuilding scene. That's where I was mostly just weightlifting. I'd do a bit of running here or there, but nothing much. And this is where I found the fit forum was the one I was on, which was, I forget, I think it was monster supplements. I don't know if they even exist anymore, uh, but it was their like free fit forum. Um, and there you could ask questions and you'd get advice from people it was quite a f- kind of small forum and it doesn't exist anymore. I, I used to like look back at my threads cause I'd have like, like my own, like you have uh, your yeah. profile and your log and everything. I used to look back cause it was quite nice to see those and like be like, Oh, that's what I used to train. And that's what I used to do. And it was very interesting to look back, but yeah, that log is all gone. That's where I initially got like somewhat of an education. I'd say like if I was going to term it anything as like kind of bro sciencey, but they get a lot of the basics right, which is cool. So I was on this like clean bulk and I gained a lot of weight. So whilst I was recovering, educating myself a bit, training hard, eating a lot, I would be like disappointed if I didn't gain like five pounds in a week, which is crazy. I would have gained back a lot of the tissue I lost. Yeah. But I also gained some new muscle, but also got quite fat. Or for me, that was fat. I'd always been a very skinny guy. I've never been kind of a big guy before. Um, So yeah, it's, interesting 
like you have the backstory of being bigger. I think everyone has either they were bigger or they were like on the skinny side. So I was one of the skinny guys. And it wasn't until I kind of recovered from taking the diuretic and I built myself up. I was quite big and I developed kind of these essentially man boobs. I got gynecomastia, but I didn't know that. I just got hard lumps on my nipples. They were sensitive, really uncomfortable. I was scared of the worst. I was like, this could be like a cancerous lump. What could it be? So I got a scan um, and then they were like, it's gyno. Let's get <laughs> your testosterone tested. Got my testosterone tested and it was like below normal levels, super oh, wow. duper low. Okay. Yeah. So it was basically like, well, you know, um, yeah, yeah. way higher than my testosterone was. So I then was prescribed testo gel. Hmm. So this is, yeah. Basically, I can't even remember the amount of test that it has in there, but it's nothing much. Rub it on my chest, and it was like completely changed my life. Unreal. Uh, I could start growing a beard again. I could get chest hair. The lumps under my nipples started to go. I had a libido that was just unruly, and I had no none before. It was actually like to the point of just it was uncomfortable at times. Um, it's crazy to think back. It was like full on teenager essentially. Yeah. So for the, for the past year prior to that, um, you just sort of accepted these as maybe side effects of the accident, just part of your recovery, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I was so just in my habit of just doing what I do. I was just like, this is just life now. Uh, and I just accepted that I had no, I didn't really even think about my libido. It was only until having the testo, like testosterone gel that I was like, wow, this is what this feels like. <laughs> this is weird. Um, <laughs> I was like working a job and then typical working the job, running to work, running away from work, like running home, going to the gym. So yeah, I was doing all these things. I just didn't really give myself time to reflect on there being a problem. And it wasn't until like the lumps came that I was like, okay, like I've got to do something about this. Um, so yeah, I took that for maybe, I think it was like a month or so until the lumps started going and I felt great again. And at this time, Again, like I said, I was educating myself, and this is when I came across Matt Ogus. Um, it was actually Ian McCarthy, if you remember Ian McCarthy. I do remember. Pop-Tarts, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yes. So Ian McCarthy was like, I can remember being at work, and I'd have him, like my headphones in, have him on YouTube, and I'd be writing notes from his videos. I was like obsessed with him, because it's just like, there's so much knowledge this guy is spewing. It's amazing. Oh, he's very intelligent, definitely. Yeah, and yes. he got his start with being quite controversial, but he's really settled down into a fantastic coach. I've got a lot, a lot of time for him. Yeah, he's a yeah, super interesting guy. And uh, I, I found him, found uh, Matt Ogus, and then found 3D Muscle Journey through like Matt Ogus, Eric Helms. And then I found like Lyle McDonald, bodyrecomposition.com, obsessed reading every article as I was commuting to work. It's like, how is this? Like, how have I never found this before? Found Alan Aragon, if it fits your macros, then came into my like, sch like schema. And that was like a huge, like people talk about game changers. That was for me, that was like, heck, I can actually, like, I understood, there's like finding the, the matrix. It was like, I now I've found the pill. I like, this is what I need to do. I know I can defeat this. Um, that education there was just like, oh, now I, I can really do some things. So I then learned how to train a bit better. I kind of followed five, three, one, basically just copying Matt Ogus at the time. Yep. Um, and that, that was helpful. That had like deloads made me think about things a bit more. Uh, so that was all really good. And I was like, I want to compete in natural bodybuilding. And then I was like, I'm on like a like TRT. This that's a banned substance, obviously. So I kind of went to my doctor, explained, and he was like, we can trial coming off. 
I wouldn't expect anything though. I expect you probably you're going to have to be on it for life. We'll see. I came off and I maintained low normal levels and that was good enough for me. And he was happy for me to then not take it. And I was like, I always say, it, and I don't know if it's me just glorifying bodybuilding and taking care of yourself, but I always say like, I feel like bodybuilding gave me the ability to be fully healthy. It gave me the ability to regulate things. And like, I will always love it for that. I, and I, I, I can, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm 39 this year and what bodybuilding has done for me in terms of health has been huge. And that structure had having that structure from an early age. I'm absolutely hundred percent sure it helped. Definitely. We couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. I think it, it's interesting. I think it, it at first maybe hurt me a little bit because I didn't have the education and I just like got very extreme. And I think that's what maybe some people burn out when they do bodybuilding because they just don't really get it and they just get frustrated with the lack of progress and how strict it seems to be. They have to eat chicken, rice and broccoli or whatever it might be. Uh, they don't deload. They just burn out. They regress in the gym. And I was at that point and I was at the point of probably giving up. And actually, that's why I'm like the accident forced me to think, rethink things. It forced me to educate myself. And through that, I then felt I was in control of like, after the accident, I felt well out of control of my body. And finally, and even before the accident, I felt out of control. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know, oh, I put this input in, I eat this, I train like this, I get this out. Whereas afterwards, that's when I was like, wow, I can control what I put in my mouth, control how I train, be smart about things a little bit. I certainly wasn't as clued up as I kind of would be now, but I knew enough to be able to get some results. And yeah, I just, that's why... The, the brand name Revive Stronger was kind of like a no-brainer because I was just like, that's how I feel. I feel like I revived stronger from that accident. I'm, I never thought I'd be in the shape I'm in now. Um, so yeah, it's, it was incredible. So yeah, I, essentially that the year of kind of recovering and kind of then I embarked upon, I actually remember emailing Eric Helms and being like, can I compete in natural bodybuilding if I was on TRT? He was like, um, I'm not sure you'll have to email the organizations and all of this. So I emailed all of the like bigger name UK natural bodybuilding federations, the MPA and UK DFEA came back and said with a doctor's note, passing polygraph, you can come and compete with us. Uh, BMBF were like, no, we have a seven year drug free policy. You can't compete with us. So um, I haven't, that's why I haven't competed with them. Um, not that I doubt anyone really thinks about it. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think, I then, you, I think the UK, the FBA was where I met you. I think that was when Mark was competing and you were competing in full open bodybuilding. Yes. A good few years back. Yeah. Did that, was that 2014 or 17? 17, I think. 17. 17. Yeah. Just, just only a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in terms of like, was there wasn't really a sort of defining moment. It was just a series of events which got you to be, Perhaps the defining moment was just coming off TRT, perhaps. Yeah, I guess it probably was because that's when like, I found that I was, and I could, comp actually, I guess the defining moment for me was the reason I wanted to compete because I was, like, people talk about their why and everything. For me was if I can take my body to like the most extreme place you can arguably take a physique and I can come out of that and recover, like it was kind of stupid in a way. It's like, you've got good testosterone level, like fine testosterone levels, you're healthy now. Why do you want to take your place to a risk all of it potentially for like ill health? But I competed and recovered and I was fine. I was like, wow. Like I almost feel, I know I'm not invincible, like no, by no means. So I was like, like the body, like I was just fascinated that the body could do such things. Like coming from needing like TRT 
to fine test to really low test, but then recovering it all and like, whoa, okay, this is cool. So yeah, I, I'd say that first competition season, that's when I was like, this is for me. And that's when I um, went into personal training that during that contest prep season. So, so were you, is that what you were trained in originally? Uh, is that what you went to university for? So no, I went to university uh, again. I don't know. It's, it's funny. You're asking questions, making me think about myself a bit more and how I just kind of have been going through life and I never really had any direction for a lot of time. So I was just like, I'm good. I wanted to do economics, hmm. but I didn't do maths. And uh, apparently you need to be good at maths to do <laughs> economics at a lot of uh, places. So I couldn't do economics. So I was like, what? I'm good at geography. I did geography with business, human geography. So I did that in Nottingham. Um, so yeah, completely unrelated. And then when I came out of university, I got a job with my, at my dad's work. And then that went into, oh, I'm doing merchandising and I found a job in London. And then I worked for Arcadia um, and yep. I worked for BHS mm -hmm. at the time, which is where I, I met my girlfriend who I'm now still with. Um, and yet yeah, it was whilst working in head office there, I was like, I'm going to educate myself to like get a qualification as a personal trainer on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And then it was actually an opportunity arose where someone who already had a baseline of clients and everything, he was going on holiday for an extended period of time. And he recognized that I was onto something and I was intelligent and would be a good personal trainer. He was like, you can like coach my clients whilst I'm away and I'll get like a bit of compensation. So I was like, Oh, amazing. That's the best opportunity. That's what I need. So <laughs> I kind of quit my job and I went to do that, but that fell through. And so that he took that opportunity away, unfortunately, but I, I think that was probably for the best because then that led me to getting a job in my like local uh, gym that I would train at. And I kind of got that, the people knew me and they're like, yeah, you can be a personal trainer. It was actually very easy, which is quite nice. But when I was doing my contest prep and you know this, um, like you just get tired, you get a bit grumpy and I had, I'd never done one before. So I didn't know that this would all happen and I needed to yeah. like, extra and probably as a personal trainer it's not a good thing to be tired and grumpy and want your clients not to turn up so people, people, people can tell you that loads of times <laughs> but until you experience it how just that it's like yeah and now i know what i'm what i'm getting let myself in for <laughs> do i want to do it again uh, you you were in touch with um eric helms at this time as well and you know you mentioned that you emailed him were there any other people from the fitness industry that you were kind of emailing back and forth you were in, you were in touch with so actually for my contest prep, I had a coach. It was Greg Farris. He was a YouTuber at the time. Um, he was like, I think Ian McCarthy mentioned him like once in one of his videos and I then checked him out and I saw he had competed and I was like, oh, he coaches. He's cheaper than like 3DMJ and these guys. Um, but he's great. Like he was great. He kind of had many of the philosophies they had and used the best of like the evidence-based kind of knowledge that we had at the time to be able to get me to stage. And I had shredded glutes and like I, I got to stage well and I kind of recovered out of it absolutely fine. I think I actually did a reverse diet at the time, but I'm, I've not been the guy who binges or anything. So I can just follow stuff like a robot. I'm lucky like that. So yeah, I actually had him as like my resource. And like I said, La McDonald, I mean, the only person I was really emailing was Greg. There was no one else. I was like, getting education from or anything like that it was the one-off email i never expected eric to reply to which he did yeah, yeah. that was uh, for me that was dan john back in the day if you oh awesome uh, yeah, yeah he, he he emailed me back and we had a talk and it was about my training mostly so with uh, with greg um what kind of approach did you have leading up to the competition was it was it the 
if it fits your macros type of approach, which you had become accustomed to. And I know you're not fully into the more extreme ends of that, but was it the more flexible dieting? I should call it more flexible dieting. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Uh, and I can even remember it was because it's funny you say it, uh, when peak week was coming and I was on more carbs, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy all these foods and these different foods that I can like start enjoying. He was like, no, 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 don't have those. <laughs> so yeah, he was, he put me on quite a good path with that. And he actually helped me lay the foundation for a lot of my coaching at the time. Um, and it's obviously evolved from there, but yeah, it's, that, that was great. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. So in terms of your like, recovery and your mental state at this stage, um, you, you had a big boon of confidence in being able to compete. Confidence was growing. Um, how do you feel you'd recovered? Um, I know you said you mentioned you get the cankles every now and again, but uh, just mentally, like, how did you feel you, you had recovered and did you feel like you were basically on a path to getting back to normal? It's an interesting question, actually. I, I, don't, I actually don't know how, how I, like, I don't even know if, I'm, I think it's definitely made me the person I am today, but I'm not sure. I think I always was that kind of guy. Uh, I don't think it was, I was always like quite, um, what's it called? Uh, someone who's more shy, more keeps himself to himself, not an extrovert, introverted. I think it, it maybe forced me a little bit more in my shell mm. and it, at times has made it hard to like be social and do those sort of things. And it's certainly taken me a long, long time to build up enough confidence in myself. And I think bodybuilding did help build my confidence through like the physique and then being able to talk to people, share that process. Um, that was very empowering. So yeah, mentally I would say maybe I don't feel like I was happy in my life until I was at BHS and I'd found a group of people there who I was friends with and they weren't into the, the gym scene, anything. They were just nice people who like, took the piss out of me as a bodybuilder and like took me for who I was. That's when I started enjoying life again. And yeah, I always be grateful for that experience. It definitely like I, however much I am like uh, introverted and I don't have a big social network. I do take a lot from a small number of people who just give me yeah, a lot back. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's, again, it's very relatable and that's what I like delving into the background of people because it's, it's some of the, a lot of the stories people will find sort of similarities in, in their own journeys through life as well. So yes, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about was you, at this point you'd started, um, you started PTing, you started coaching and um, were, were you starting to put more and more things out on social media at this point? Cause I remember seeing videos from you way back to maybe as early as oh, pretty early. You were a lot younger then. Um, but I guess, I guess what I want to say is, when did you talk when did your popularity start taking a bit more up to him when did you go online perhaps you know yeah so i decided to it would be a good idea because i liked matt ogus um i watched the hodge twins as well at this time they yeah, were yeah, big yeah. on youtube yeah. i was like i'm gonna be like log my journey on youtube and my coach did as well so it was kind of like i'm like following his footsteps a little bit he was a little bit of a mentor to me at the time i guess he served that role and so i started logging my journey i started trying to put out educational videos i kind of quickly re retracted those because they were not very good at the time um so i would do like vlogs i'd i also took a lot of inspiration from ian mccarthy he used to do like training videos and explain what he was doing why he was doing it and i was like that's so cool so i tried to do very similar things i'd say the the start of my fitness content was very copycat and trying to put my own spin on it but i can look back at like even vlogs i 
use the voice of like the Hodge twins and I'd say it in the way they say it and like use phrases they'd say and I'm like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even my posing video, I have one, like the earliest one. I know I had Matt Ogus on on the side and he was posing and I was just fo following his poses. I was like yeah. doing his exact routine. It's just like, oh. So yeah, initially I was just logging my journey on the, the forum and then doing these videos. And then I decided to like, I, initially it was writing. This is where the popularity of my online coaching grew because I used to write these articles and then they'd be, um, they got picked up in like the articles of the week for the personal training development center, which is like Jonathan Goodman um, and that kind of organization. And they, they were very big. Um, they, they're huge still. They've got like their online personal training qualification now, um, which is cool to see. But yeah, I'd be in the articles of the week for that. And it was like, multiple weeks where I'd be in there every single week. And so I think that's why I end up working with a lot of personal trainers now, maybe because yeah. I drew that kind of audience and the sort of information I put out was kind of trying to put the really smart stuff that the researchers would put out into even more digestible for the layman person. Yeah. That's where I think the initial popularity grew. Do you still find that now as well, just to veer off a little bit, do you still find that now? Do you attract a lot of PTs just because of the, the, the way that you can disseminate complex information that tends to appeal. Yeah. Yeah. I, we definitely still attract a lot of personal trainers. I'd say that's maybe 75% of the people that we coach or at least I coach are coaches themselves. hundred percent. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you about your presence online because you, one thing that's always been really nice talking to you is you've maintained a really human presence online and in those early stages when you weren't quite as popular people didn't know that you were steve hall from revive stronger um you must have had a fair because the internet's a sucky place let's face it at the best of times you must have had a lot of negative feedback in quote unquote how, how did you deal with that in the early stages yeah it's it's funny i was i wonder if i i, I actually don't have very thick skin uh, i don't deal with conflict very well actually it's I can say it here, a recent episode, it will come out. And if you listen to the improvement season this Monday, me and Pascal have a disagreement over something. And I don't do well with like disagreements. I don't do well with like that sort of confrontation. So it'd be interesting to hear that back and see how that comes across. I remember like I get anxious. I struggle to say my words as fully. And I'm just not very good with that. And I, I don't know where that stems from. Even if I get like, you know, someone says, this is a crock of bullshit over on like a comment or if someone tags me like another fitness influencer is like is a joke or something like this. I can just see this happening and they tag me. I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to have to deal with this. Yeah. I try and stay out of those things because for my mental health, it's just not a good thing. Uh, so I wonder if it stems from when I was at school, I was bullied. So for the majority of um, secondary school, primary school, I wasn't, but majority of my time at secondary school, I was quite heavily bullied and, it was off no basis. And I don't know why I think I was probably an easy target. That's as much as I can kind of think to it. And that killed my confidence. And I hoped I'd gain it when I went to university, but I didn't. I was the guy in like Freshers Week calling his mum every night. Like it sounds kind of embarrassing to say it, but I am who I am and I own that. And I've, I can live with that now. But yeah, at the time it's, it's not a cool thing to be like in Freshers Week and calling your mum every night. Like you should be out partying. I did do my fair share, but just not like everyone else. So I wonder if, yeah. And so when I started putting out videos and I, I wasn't a big guy, I was really bad at posing and I would get trolls and I'd get like this negative feedback. The thing that kept me going were the people on my side, the guys like on my team, I would say like people who supported me and 
they're like no this guy is like he's got like i don't know they're just like no steve sound like yeah. leave him alone and i get these people and they build me up like i said like the people at bhs and they kind of brought me up and made me happy in that sense i think i draw a lot from other people in that way and I don't know if that's a positive thing. I just know it's an element of my character. If someone gives me positive feedback and they build me up, like it's like it, it can put tears in my eyes to have that. So yeah, the only way now that I, well, I suppose I don't get too much of it now. Um, but when I was starting, I certainly did. And it was fortunately because there's good people in the world who like, they could see that I was trying to do good or yeah. they just, they understood what I was trying to put out. And yeah, they, they kind of stood by me. And for me, just consistency and getting better and yeah eventually you kind of come out of that dark space and yeah you 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 get your kind of team and you get that bit of a community feel and now i love social media for that i think that's why i like it so much because i get that positive feedback and it kind of gives me and i know social media can be really bad for that sort of thing as well but i think it can be good for it in, in the same instance it is it is quite nice when you you make it that sort of killer post and you get a lot of comments and you think oh wow this is great i'm getting so much engagement people are actually yeah. talking about what i want to talk about which is fantastic um, feels great yeah <laughs> or if uh like like when my, i can remember when uh, mike last came over for the seminar and he took a photo just as i was like leaving him and he was about to leave and it was just a selfie with me and him and he posted up and it was something like steve is one of the nicest guys i've ever met i love steve it was just something like that and i was like oh my god like mike is just I, I, have you met mike yet i've not no i'd like to meet You've him not, you you'd love him like he's just he he's just so humble and just really like also empathetic and understanding like i don't know how he's that at like so socially smart but also intellectually smart it's just crazy combination but like to have someone who i respect so much for various reasons do that it was just like oh wow like that it's the power of social media in a sense well on on that note just to veer off again how how did you first meet mike because actually one of the very first podcasts i listened to of yours was with mike on and that's what kind of drew me in. And then I, I, I saw the rest of your guests and things. But how did you first come across Mike? Because Mike wasn't massively well-known back then. I think, as far as I'm concerned, from being based in the UK, when you brought him over here, he seemed to really come out of nowhere. And I was like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think that I helped Mike out in a, in a way because uh, he certainly helped me out and had a big influence on me as a coach and as an individual as well. But yeah, so it was actually, do you know Mike? Samuels heavy lifting healthy living was his brand at the time so he was like he he essentially became my mentor after my coach because I'd look up to him and be like he was kind of for me who I envisaged myself being like he was online coaching doing flexible dieting doing blog articles so I very much looked up to him and I actually was on his coaching team for a very short period of time because essentially I I went on his team and then my coaching just started building up so i was like oh, i actually don't need to be on your team um, which is fortunate so mike actually approached me mike samuel saying like i've got this idea i want to bring mike israel over do you want to be in it with me and at this point the only thing i'd ever read was the scientific principles of strength training by mike israel james hoffman and chad wesley smith yes and i was like oh this is quite cool like yeah i mean let's do it like why not let's do it and so that's where it all really began and i can remember meeting mike with some other people who knew of mike and I, d- I really didn't know mike at this time in a sushi restaurant and i'd never even eaten sushi out and he invited me to this sushi restaurant i was like he was like just huge yeah. and he ate so much food and i was just <laughs> like 
because I'm that shy guy, introverted. So I didn't really say much. I can't imagine what he thought of me at the time. He's like, this is the guy that's hosting us. Oh God. Um, I can only imagine that. But it was when him and James then presented the next day. And I was just like, I'd only really been exposed to like Alan Aragon, La McDonald, 3DMJ. And they all kind of, especially training, they all had the same sort of philosophy with that. It was quite DUP, power building, strength focused. Mike did not have that perspective on things. And, I'll, and he had his, uh, he had principles for hypertrophy and he like had his steps. And I was like, whoa, I have never heard this before. And they present, like you hear him on the podcast and in person and they were lecturers. They just present so well. So yeah, after that, I was like, Mike, there was some leftover questions from the seminar. Do you mind coming on for a Q&A? And then we did that. We hit it off and we both actually came to one another and were like, do you want to do that again? <laughs> and then it just became the Q&A with Mike Isretel. And that was where then the podcast grew a bit. I grew confident having spoken to Mike and I started bringing on other guests who I'd been to their seminars. So like Brad Schoenfeld, Eric Helms, they'd come to the UK a few times. I kind of shook their hand and shyly walked away and like reminded them of that and said, do you want to come on my podcast? And they, they did. Uh, so that's where it all kind of spawned. I, I think definitely Mike's approach and his principles, they really appeal to a sort of a certain type of mind. Um, Cause I, as I remember around about the time that I discovered Mike was around about the time when I was getting into bodybuilding because I had done powerlifting and strongman for 15, 16 years. And that was a very regimented style of training. You know, there was a certain science behind it and a, and a lot of research. And when I got into bodybuilding, it, I didn't see any of that kind of stuff. You know, I, it was a case of, hey, how do you get bigger and stronger? Well, you just add a bit more weight to the bar every week. And I was like, wow, is it that simple? I mean, I've, you know, I'm over here with my periodized models. I don't know. Is it that simple? You guys got it that easy? Uh, I wish it was that easy. So none of that made any sense to me. So when I found Mike and he actually had a system of principles, that inherently made a lot more sense because it was the parallel of what I was doing when I was powerlifting strongman, but yeah. just the bodybuilding. So that just seemed, okay, that makes sense to me because it's, it's a system. And I think that that's a large part of his appeal with, with the audience that you've got. Yeah, that's exactly the same for me. It was like when I found... Like if it fits your macros, it was like, oh, like if I, and like the, the muscle and strength, uh, sorry, the uh, kind of the, the pyramids that Eric Helms came out with, with calories and then macros and nutrient timing and kind of the principle based approach. I was like, like, I can also apply that to training. And it's just Mike's approach is very logical, very systematic, very periodized and like everything makes sense. I understand everything and other systems don't have that and they break down somewhere within the, when you assess it. So yeah, I, I love logic, like systematic, like just things that just make sense. If I don't have that, like if I don't fully understand why I'm doing something, I'm just like, I, I can't do it. I need something to follow. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. I saw a podcast with uh, Patrick Tor, who's an American coach and he coaches a lot of large bodybuilders and he seems to have a very systematic approach to nutrition in the same way. Oh, cool. So that's one of the reasons I found him so interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that that definitely appeals to a certain subtext, subsect of um, the audience far more than just the sort of the cheerleading approach, which is go harder, brother, and whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some people do love the other way, and they seem to really dislike it the, the way we're, like, we try and geek out too much or something. Yeah. The, the coach I had for my contest prep, he's very much okay. Uh, he's very analytical when it comes to diet, but with training, it's a case of just go in and you know do it. And I, I've tried that approach, but in every, I just end up getting bored. It's, um, it's not an approach which suits me whatsoever. So I, much, I do far better with a structured uh, training routine and, uh, and also a structured diet as well. So, and I think, yeah. I think there's certain people like that. And that's, 
do you think that's almost fallen out of favor in a way, particularly with the diet stuff with maybe the last 10 years or so with a lot of more extreme versions of if you fit your macros. And I think we're kind of coming back round to the more, maybe meal planning, more slightly more flexible, or probably more of a central approach to, to diet. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, I think the pendulum did swing too far the other way and we're kind of pulling it back now because when I, when I first got into things, it was people being like, nutrient timing doesn't matter. Post-workout window doesn't exist. Uh, like if it fix your macros, eat that shit essentially was like the attitude. And that lasted maybe until 2017. It started to yeah. maybe slightly change. And yeah, I think now people are like, it's becoming again, people are focusing more on the smaller details and being like, oh, those actually do matter. They make a big difference after a while. So yeah, I'd agree with that. And that's, that's why I find it so interesting when you start talking about diet psychology and habits, because that sort of forms part of that as well. It's like, how do you get the right habits to actually sustain a diet for long term? And that, that area is just massively interesting to me right now. So um, we, at this point, so the company's taking an upturn. And I just wanted to talk a bit about your day-to-day structure, veer off into that. How do you manage your day? You're, right now, obviously with everything going on, um, you, you sort of, you've got to split your time between coaching, marketing, social media, your own personal time. How are you able to do that on a day-to-day basis? And do you have a system for yourself? So yeah, it's, if I didn't have a structure, I think I'd just, I would get nowhere. And I do have days where the structure falls out of place and I don't do so well. Um, and it does get on top of me sometimes. So I like to not work weekends, for example, like as you know, cause you asked if we could do a weekend and I was like, oh, I prefer not to if possible. Yeah. So I try not to. But inevitably, like I at least look at emails and if I have some extra programming because I just haven't been able to fit it in, that does happen. Uh, but my structure is generally uh, Monday to Friday. And I think somewhat I came to this structure because of Charlotte. So Charlotte works like a traditional nine to five. Uh, but obviously, well, not obviously, she tend to, she would get home at like seven, eight. So that left me a lot of time to be able to get my work in, but also training, which is nice so that I didn't have to train and like she just be around so we could have time together, which is good. Uh, fortunate she's still she's working from home but she's still working until like seven or eight anyway so uh, i still have my time to be able to get everything in so yeah my day basically looks like get up and i essentially go straight to work and i do client work so i like to watch all my client check-ins so i do video check-ins and i watch all of those make my notes and i like doing that because essentially that's like the easier side of the check-in is just listening and at the, in the morning i'm never my most switched on so it's nice just to be able to kind of do that so i watch all of those make my notes and then i go through each person's spreadsheet make my adjustments to their training and then give i do all the adjustments off the notes and then i go through and film everyone's videos so it's kind of like division of labor like chunking the task because i just find that's the most productive some days i find it's hard to kind of go from one video to the next immediately like i have to have a bit of a break between each one because as maybe you do a similar checking process a lot of work yeah it's, a, it's yeah. very brain intensive yeah absolutely so it's the most important work it's what earns me a living each day uh so yeah i, I prioritize that i try not to ever book anything in between kind of my waking and then this once and i don't like to train before that either because it's like I, I can't train when i've got that on my mind it's like, i have to get that done so then after that, I train typically my like AM session, which from home is actually super easy. Um, and I've, I've basically built a gym now, uh, but otherwise my gym was super close. So I could, I could walk there. And then after that, um, between that and my PM session was answering back to emails. Cause typically I ask my 
clients some questions to feedback to me and then we make some more adjustments uh, and then social media kind of either kind of producing an Instagram post. I typically post at like 3 p.m., 4 p.m. every day. I do try and do that every day. I used to do twice a day. I used to do twice a day and post on Facebook, but I just found I trim the fat, focus on one post, one good post on Instagram every day. So I do that. And through the day, obviously, I'm doing some stories here or there. I don't really think about those too much. Just I know in my head, I want to do a story. I might film a podcast within this time gap as well um, and then do my PM session. And then after the PM session, I've got another like two to three hours where, again, I might film a podcast if I've got one booked in or, again, consultations can fall in that time. And then it's working on the member's site. So whether or not I'm working on a presentation or I go into the forum and just check out what's going on. Again, checking Facebook, see if anything like is to my attention on there. Uh, that's where uh, it's surprising. Like the majority of my time, it's almost 50-50 split between coaching and then doing everything that sustains that coaching. So like all the content creation, essentially the marketing, the free value, uh, which I really enjoy as well, fortunately. And like as a personal trainer, that's you're trying to help as many people as possible. So you get to help people for free like that. Um, so yeah, that's how most of my days go Monday through uh, Thursday are check-ins. So I typically have like 10 clients every day is like the number I like to work with. If I'm like, it might be only, I don't know, six clients depends how my roster is at the moment. It's not the fullest because of everything that's going on, but um, that's how it tends to go. And then on Friday is like programming day. So Today, I have a ton of mesocycles to write up, unfortunately. Sometimes they just land badly, and I've got yeah, like yeah. six or seven to write today, and I'm like, oh, God. Um, so, again, I'm chunking tasks. And it, whilst I do love check-ins, I love having clients, like more than 40 with the way that I coach, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much, and I just don't think I'd get to know each client as much as possible. Um, so that tends to be like mine and Pascal's cap, and we don't do any more than that. And then, yeah, Friday is like any work I need to make up, any mesocycles, uh, maybe putting a vlog together for the members' site, um, those sort of tasks. And then I try to have weekends off as much as possible. Um, and sometimes like the check-ins, I end up watching the check-ins the day before if a few come in early because I can get ahead almost of the next day. Sometimes I do that as well, but don't really need to know that. So that's, that's my general structure. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. I think it's... It's it's something it's I do a fairly similar thing myself, but I I like the same as yourself when the start of what you were saying was it can get out of hand fairly quickly, and um, I I still struggle with that on some days. So yeah, it's something it's 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 definitely important to to remember. Um, so most of you most of us know you as sort of Steve as you are now, you know, with with Rise Stronger, and I kind of wanted to ask a bit more about what's in store for the future. I'm just conscious of your time, um, so I kind of wanted to ask a bit more about um, what's in store for the future. Uh, for Revive Stronger because I mean, you've done some really good stuff recently you've got the member site up um, and that's massive now and um, what is your vision for where, where you want to go Do you, are you still going to want to carry on doing coaching as well and a lot of a lot of uh, sort of people get to this stage and they maybe look at like coaching the coaches kind of thing um, business coaching and all that kind of stuff but yeah. what are your thoughts on that so very interesting question um, we don't have like a, a business plan I'd like to say we do but we're not that structured. Um, it's more of a what's happening now, what can we do now um, kind of system at least. I do always want to be coaching, but I would like to scale back to fewer clients, um, mostly because I, you can help people one-on-one -on -one and you can do a really good job like that. But I think you can help more people 
through something like the member site where like people can come in for a low price point and get a great education or whatever they want from that, ask questions in the forum, that sort of thing. So that is like our thing that we want to build up to be like an earner for us. So we don't have to worry as much about kind of having clients through all the time and fill out our coaching team a little bit more. And that'd be nice. I don't know if we'd bring on any more coaches. It's not in like our, it's not in our kind of line of thought of where we want to go but it's more courses through the members site. So we do have some plans to go down like the online coaching mentorship route. So some educational stuff for coaches um, just want to make sure that like anything we do, but particularly for this to make sure it's really kind of good standard, good quality. Cause there's a lot out there now and I haven't digested any of it, but I just want to make sure when we do put out ours, that it's like really, really useful and we'll get people like ahead where they want to be. Uh, we had not necessarily ever intended it to be that way, but it is ver- quite clear to us that there's demand for it, especially because a lot of our clients end up being clients because also they want to learn how we coach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's obviously a demand for that. And we're also looking to develop for, like in the next month or so, I want to say we're going to launch it in July. Um, yeah. July is the mini cup movement again. If you ever heard of that, I did. Um, I, remember that. I launched it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know. I launched that years ago. I fell out of love with it, but uh, it it seems like it's probably a good idea for us to put that out there now as well. Um, And Ryan is very, very willing to like oversee that and like, and he's very good at that sort of thing. So yeah, we hope to launch that, but mostly through the member site. And we have some, yeah, like I said, some big courses we want to do. One of the projects we want to do is like get a lot of the kind of smartest guys within the hypertrophy field and like from bottom up building like, like a hypertrophy program how to do that because i think there's some good resources and there's like a lot of the time like the information is out there a lot of the time it's just consolidating it getting into a good place so we want to invest quite a bit into that i think it will be the member site at the moment um i'd always love like i don't know get into clothing or something i always like those sort of things but um you have to yeah i think that's the the real route we're going to go down well, Pascal used to be a model, right? So that he could be a potential choice for that. <laughs> you, you got someone on your team. <laughs> no, that sounds great. I think, I think what, when you get to a point where you've coached so many people and you want to give back the most bang for your book, it does seem to be like you, have, you, you tend to have a very clear idea of where you're going because something you said was you never intended to, to, to go down that route. And I think the more people you coach, the more you kind of realize the needs of the client and the individual. Sometimes it kind of goes that way. The route, the route yeah. is almost mapped out for you because you kind yeah. of know what they need. And so you, that's the direction you go. And I think a member site would be fantastic. Uh, sorry, the broadening the member site would be fantastic. Yeah. 100%. That seems to be how everything's gone. Like I never intended actually to be an online coach. Yeah. It was just, I was so lazy. I didn't have any one-on-one co- PT clients really. And then there was kids around who were like, I want to get shredded like you. So I was like, oh, I'll coach you online. This is how my coach kind of does it with me. I'll kind of do this for you for very cheap. And then it just went from there. Awesome. And uh, just one, one last question on sort of just general life and stuff is how has uh, the current pandemic and stuff affected you and your, your life, your training, all that. Obviously training is massively different. I can see your pull down at the back. Um, how are you getting on with training at home? So yeah, it, initially it was quite, uh, I was trying to almost be like ignorant to it. I was like living my own little bliss world of where it isn't really going to happen. The gyms aren't going to shut down yeah. and they did. And then I was like, shit, how long is this going to last? Like surely it can't last more than a month. Like that would be insane. So yeah, I tried to ignore it for a short period of time. And then I basically, I was probably one of the early adopters to purchasing gym equipment. 
I very quickly once, I think it was, I, I very quickly purchased some adjustable dumbbells and a pull-up bar. And I had a lot of anxiety surrounding that because it took absolutely ages for both of them to come. I think they took over a month to come and I was like, oh my God. So fortunately I've ended up using a load of stuff that I just didn't really ever use. I bought it, you know, you yeah. just buy stuff. So I had like a load of bands that I just never used, yeah. like pump up bands and uh, like strength shop, like thick bands that I like, I was going to reverse band some stuff in the gym and I never really did. Yeah. So fortunately I had a bunch of this kit to use. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I just quickly then purchased like a squat rack, barbell plates. Um, once they, I think it was like after the first like three weeks or something, they then announced like they were going to have like a, what's going to happen in future. And as soon as Boris announced that I was on like the Jordan fitness website buying it. I remember talking to Charlotte. I was like, should I do this? Should I really do this? She was like, please do it. <laughs> Cause she knows how stressed I would get if I didn't have it. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is the gym is all that really mattered to me because like 95% of my kind of lifestyle is compliant with lockdown regulations. I like to eat out now and then I like to see my family now and then, but like once a month and eating out, like I can get takeaway. So yeah, for me as an introvert, I'm very fortunate to say that it's not really impacted things for me too badly, which I know a lot of people are struggling with it. And I'm fortunate. I, again, I have the space to be able to get the gym equipment and the monetary uh, and the money, sorry. Um, and that I work online. Yeah. So very little cost. So if I do lose some clients, it's not like I'm paying a load of rent or anything. So yeah, in many ways, I'm incredibly fortunate to have not been impacted much by any of it. Awesome. That's good to hear. And in terms of what you're training for now, I seem to recall on social media, you mentioned that there are going to be some competitions either later this year, if you can, or definitely next year. Um, have you got any sort of loose plans, concrete plans? Fairly concrete. Uh, so I had planned to compete this year, but they basically, they canceled all the qualifiers. So it was just finals now is going ahead. And I was at the point where, if I lost another 10 pounds, I was going to be stage ready mm. and I was always going to be ready a little bit early for finals. And I was planning to refeed into that. I just can't imagine doing it without some qualifiers. I kind of stoke the fire yeah. to keep me going. And I want a bit more experience like bodybuilding. How, you can't compete that often. How are they going to do that with um, just having the, just the finals? Who's going to compete in those? Just anyone is allowed. Like you qualify. Oh, if you, compete, you qualify. Uh, gotcha. Yep. Mm. So, I, I imagine there's going to be lower numbers. I imagine. I don't even know. I mean, maybe they'll be able to run them with different, like, I don't know, no audience and yeah. like competitors two meters apart. Mm. But I just, I don't like the idea of pushing for that when it may not go ahead. Like if there's question marks and then if it does go ahead, I don't know. I'd hate to, I kind of, I, I want to say like, I want to compete against the best and it's not going to be the best year to do that. I don't think that's really it. It's more like if I do do really well, I'll be proud, but also like, mm, did I do well because like half of the people decided not to turn up and it just always would not sit that best with me. And I always just thought like, as people say, the stage is always there. Why do I need to do this year? I wanted to do this year because it was my 30th. It'd been three years since I last competed, but yeah. it's not the big, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So uh, and, and then I was like, well, imagine if I like qualified for worlds and then flights aren't even allowed to go <laughs> and then you can't even go and do it. So I was just like, oh, it just make, makes no sense. So I've had a few competitors this year who have just been like, no, there's, there's no point actually doing it this year. Let's wait to next year. So I was fortunate that I wasn't in the like shredded glute zone and felt like crap. And I was very much just, I'd done a diet. I was pretty lean 
and I was in a good position to go into a mass. So I've been massing the past month, basically, which in this heat isn't that fun, but I'm just glad that I've got a good appetite and everything is not, it, that doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah. How, how have you found it any harder to get your steps in uh, with, uh, with everything going on? What do you, are you quite happy to go for a walk around the block? So because we have Ada the dog, uh, I have yeah. to take her out. So that forces me. Um, but actually, because I normally would walk to the gym there and back and there and back twice, my steps did come dramatically down. But just as lockdown kicked in, I stopped dieting anyway. So it all kind of fell into place. So it's quite nice now not having so many steps because that would mean I'd have to eat just not a nice amount of food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right, Steve, we're going we're gonna to call it there, but um, I want to thank you for being on and uh, having a chat with us. And Yeah, it's been really interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And likewise, like, you asked some good questions that made me think about things in ways I've never thought about them before about myself. So that was cool. And I, did, I didn't actually answer. I am planning to compete next year now. So I don't know if I said that, but yeah, that, I've already kind of pre-planned. Yeah. And that, will that be with the WDFBA? So there's, yeah, the, I can compete with the BMBF now because I'm officially over seven years since oh, yeah, I yeah. finished the TRT, which is quite cool. Uh, that was quite <laughs> exciting. Um, so yeah, BMBF and UKDFBA are probably the ones I'll go through. And then, I mean, for, I don't know, if I could somehow get to Worlds and ch- like try and get a pro card, I mean, that would be a dream. That'd be the WMBF probably, but yeah, right. we'll see. I've got no expectations to get that far. I have expectations to get to finals. That's the only ones I have. So with the BNBF, that would be potential for getting a pro card. With, is that right? BNBF, I forget. I think they're DFAC. So they also have pro card, but for a different organization. Gotcha. UK, the FBA are through the WNBF. Yep. Yeah. So no, with, with, um, with the PCA, they generally don't have, they have their own kind of pro card, but there's... Okay. But um, the Two Bros is the organization that people tend to go through if you want the sort of the, the IFBB pro card. I, I might be getting uh, that wrong, but at least that's what I, how I understand it. So yeah, yeah I don't know how they're still trying to run a lot of theirs as well. I think from what I've seen. From what I've seen, yeah, I've sent to their Facebook group. They, yeah, they seem to be cracking on with things. So I guess, I guess it's kind of like the Olympia. They've set the Olympia now for what is it, December twenty second. So it's basically okay. the the last final time of this year where it might go ahead because after that, no one's dying through Christmas. So it's the last possible date. So I guess we'll cool. wait and see. Yeah, damn. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's. I don't want to say it like in some ways I'm just like just wipe this slate clean like 20, 2020 there's no shows just, just leave it this year <laughs> what a year <laughs>